There are many ways people listen to Vision, including DAB Plus Digital Radio. If you're in Greater Sydney, Melbourne or Brisbane and have a digital radio receiver in your car or home, you'll find Vision Christian Radio on the station list. If you're visiting one of these cities and hiring a car, there's a good chance it will have a DAB receiver and you'll be able to enjoy vision with exceptional sound quality while you drive around. If you don't already own a DAB receiver, you'll find many models, including clock radios at electronic retailers for under $100. To find out more about vision on digital radio and whether you're within the broadcast footprint, see vision.org.au slash DAB. However, and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Hey, good conversations coming. Why don't we kick off with Charles Newington, our regular on a Thursday, National Director of Family Voice Australia. Charles, special welcome along to 2020. Oh, thank you. Good morning, Captain. <laughs> thank you. Hey, uh, Charles, let's get into the serious stuff. Uh, Captain 20, Glenn 20, can wait to, to talk about it another time. Hey, the decision of the High Court regarding Cardinal George Pell, there's some reporting around that likens the earlier decision, going back to December last year from the Victorian Court of Appeal, alongside the conviction of, like, a Lindy Chamberlain. What are your gleanings and uh, thoughts about the case that, as it's come to the fore this week? Uh, thank you. Uh, the the comparison of Chris Merritt, the, the journalist in, in question, uh, he he's referring, I think, particularly to the kind of emotional uh, public conversation that uh, that took place over the the, the the Chamberlain case and how a similar sort of public conversation took place over the Bell trials and um, it kind of so clouded the situation it so polarised society it was so emotive and I, I think much more so even than the Chamberlain case because um, th- there were living victims of the uh, in, uh, of sexual abuse in institutions and particularly the churches. And um, and so, you know, we, the, it was just been such an emotional issue, and that emotion, of course, has has all been kind of revived because of the outcome of this uh, high court decision. Charles, uh, the two uh, judges, those senior judges in Victoria, have come in for a little bit of criticism in this reporting. Uh, the idea that they've made a fundamental error and what that might mean for Victoria's judi- uh, judiciary system. Uh, what are your thoughts on the developments of those ideas? Yes, well, I think that this is highlighting the fact that every now and again in in, in the course of, uh, of history, a nation's history, events occur that test the very boundaries of the legal system. And this has been just such a case. And um, the merit makes the point that the high court, the high court's unanimous judgment, a seven-zero judgment on on this case, amounts to a primer for the judiciary, uh, particularly in Victoria, on how criminal justice is supposed to work. And that will be very, very helpful. It will be, you know, the way in which. Um, justice works the way they go back to precedent and, and look at other cases that, that are similar. This will be one of those pieces. And, and my observation is that 
that that the the, the both the club complainant and the and and uh, Cardinal Pell, uh, they've gone through terrible circumstances in this situation, and and if there is any consolation, it is in that the, this case um, has set. Uh, a new understanding of how to deal with extremely complex cases that have got so much public emotion attached, and um, and uh, we 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 owe them a debt as a nation, uh, and uh, and we just pray that that they'll that they'll recover and and uh, be able to get on with their lives. So the High Court brings into focus those judges in the Victorian uh, Court of Appeal. There's also a little bit of uh, talk about what's happened with the voice that's been given to media personalities too in the lead up to all of that. Uh, any reflection there, Charles? Yes. Well, the question basically is uh, beyond reasonable doubt, and what that has focused on is how difficult it is in child sexual abuse matters to satisfy the criminal courts' expectations on this principle of beyond reasonable doubt. And uh, and that has created this 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 what sympathy, as it were, for for child um, child victims of sexual abuse. And uh, the the media has handled this in a way that that has inflamed the um, the the situation. And um, it, it it does speak to the responsibility of senior editors to be able to manage highly sensitive issues like this. Uh, in in order that justice might be um, able to be to be to be done and to be seen to be done, uh, and that's not an easy thing because the, the media is about selling papers, which is about selling advertising, which is about you know the economics, and uh, it's not an easy thing to do to keep the balance between the economic interests or the political interests and the actual justice interests. So um, I, I hope that the media has. Has seen this and uh, uh, and will recognise that it's not just the judiciary that has to make adjustments. It's it's the public media and particularly the social media. We all have to learn to manage justice issues in a more responsible way, and that's a very big ask. Charles, of course, the High Court decision has, as we've been saying, those uh, focuses on the Victorian Court of Appeal and those judges uh, that uh, have uh, that originally convicted George Pell. Uh, but what about the abuse of children, the vulnerable people in our community here? And I note that uh, you've got some thoughts around the idea that when there is sexual abuse of children, there's not always going to be the sort of evidence uh, that is going to be useful in the conviction of someone along these lines. And uh, you perhaps think that uh, that the vulnerable people in our community ought to have some level of special attention here. Uh, what are your thoughts around the victims? Well, um, one of the reasons why this case has happened the way it has because the Victorian legislature has attempted to address this issue and to recognise that there that there are special um, special circumstances about uh, about children and other vulnerable people who just don't have the, either the social power or or uh, you know this might have happened when they were children and now they're they're, they're bringing the case finally as adults. Um, all these sort of situations are incredibly complicated, and I noticed that, um, uh, that what the what the Royal Commission required of the churches, for instance, and the other institutions, because it wasn't just about churches, um, but certainly the church response was to to do everything they could to educate uh, clergy and officers of the church to how to 
about how to manage children. And, of course, governments have done that as well. Um, my consideration about this is that very often this is how we deal with these things, is we go to the practical solutions, you know, that we must, we must find practical ways to, to, to reduce the risk. Uh, but then the church also has a spiritual responsibility to address the root cause here and uh, in the church word is repentance you know it's about dealing with the hearts of people um, that that are in positions of authority so that this this is this is a this is a deeply and profoundly spiritual issue how we care for children and vulnerable and how we respond to abuse and and my observation is that um, that uh, because it's such a sensitive issue how does the church actually enact its repentance um, it, it can do the practical things, but how does it address the issues of the heart? And uh, and that um, uh, that's something I think the church still needs to work through. So that and and that's one of the things, for instance, that Easter does. That that building up to Easter, we go through this period of Lent, which is a time of reflection about the the, the, the consequence of our sin uh, to Christ and to and to the world. And uh, and it's an ideal structure in in the in the life of the Christian Church to deal with this matter uh, as part of the of the great reflections on our moral responsibility uh, to God and to and and to our communities. So um, I would like to see that. I, you know, I'm I'm reflecting on it in my in my own life because none of us are, are perfect. You know, and um, Lent does provide uh, as we reflect upon the death of Christ. It, it certainly provides a great opportunity for us to to realize how much we need god in terms of our moral character charles a few issues that are going on behind the scenes while covid19 is dominating the headlines uh, some of the sorts of ethical moral issues that we often talk about uh, are still uh, bubbling along behind the scenes they don't have the same level of public prominence but uh, what have you been noticing about uh, some of the uh, way that parliamentary committees have been dealing with some of the issues around say assisted suicide the euthanasia issue uh, those sorts of things what what are your thoughts here Yes, well, in Queensland, a long-awaited report arising from a parliamentary committee uh, was was handed down to to the parliament, and they weren't plan the timing of the of the uh, of the pandemic crisis, of course, but the timing was was very uh, insensitive, because uh, part of their recommendation was that people who are suffering from mental illnesses like depression and anxiety, and to use their words, should not be ineligible. To use simple words, should be eligible for, to access. Uh, assisted suicide strike euthanasia and uh, it's at a time like this when so many people are in fact very anxious about their their circumstances um you know for a report to be handed down <laughs> during this time was it was an unfortunate coincidence but nevertheless the point here that i want to make is that you know there's always uh, the people that are in favor of assisted suicide or euthanasia they always say that we're making provision uh, to, to to make sure there is no slippery slope that this thing will not a kind of a gradually just uh, decline into a kind of a very easy um, easy option for people. But um, the Victorians, when they brought the, the, the euthanasia legislation in, they were very, they attempted to do everything they could to make it difficult, including, for instance, the doctors could not bring the subject up with any of their patients. When it went to West Australia, that's one of the first things they changed. And they said, no, no, doctors must be able to raise the issue with their patients. 
and uh, and they, that's where they set the line. Now, when Queensland comes to it, they're being the Parliament is being advised that they should include people with mental health issues as as eligible for euthanasia or self or assisted suicide. And so you see this process of. Of, of, of it's not just a slippery slope it's that euthanasia is a very slippery issue and it 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 reflects both the change in how we view um humanity as a society uh, but it also creates a change because if if you have this option out there um you know it's for instance this uh, you know expert witness a professor from Belgium talked about how uh, the notion of in, intolerable pain it isn't just about the the physical pain it's about the psychological pain then it's not just about the psychological pain of the sufferer but it's the psychological pain of the people that are observing uh, say for instance somebody with dementia and they think to themselves oh this person you know they've they've gone a long time ago it's just their heart beating as it were and so you know this thing just gets it gets more and more prickly the moment you you rub that line out and say um, you know we won't let we won't let a person's end of life uh, be uh, be a matter just for palliative care in the mercy of God. We'll we'll take a hand in it. Um, it, it it just moves. The line just moves. And and uh, and the tragedy is that in in every jurisdiction that's allowed it, um, people have been euthanized that um, that really uh, shouldn't have been necessarily. Yeah, so that's that's the way we are with that, yeah. So the definition of suffering changes, and uh, here you yeah. have the progression along this slippery slope uh, that where one state brings in some tightly controlled practices, another state then brings their legislation in and there's a little extra leeway, and then all of a sudden yeah. uh, the holding yard is open, the cattle have bolted, and anything goes. And then even those who are around the person who's suffering they're also yeah. then uh, part of the whole equation uh, talking about talking about uh, those around the equation here i know that easter for you is a very important time charles as it is no doubt for lots of listeners and uh, you've been reflecting of just of recent times on not only jesus the central figure of the crucifixion account that will be commemorating tomorrow as we look at uh, crucifixion day good friday but but also those who are around him at the time uh, what are your thoughts on easter as we approach good friday uh, yes uh this is a you know, this is a very personal thing for me because uh, it, re- reading the stories of the crucifixion of Christ and the resurrection of Christ was so was so central to me coming to a place of personal faith and so when i go over these stories it's kind of like um revisiting my own personal uh, conversion if you like um uh, you know i was a young man of 16 to 17 at the time and i was at a boarding school and to my surprise my friends and uh, around me started to ask questions about god and uh, and what happened when you die and those sorts of things and i realized none of them knew anything about the bible and at the time i was i was you know i was not a practicing christian but i've been raised in a christian background a christian home and i I kind of knew what the Bible said about these things, and so I kind of found I had to talk to them uh, uh, about uh, things, and a number of them came to Christ. And uh, and the thing was that as they came to Christ, in spite of me, by the way, <laughs> yeah. uh, but just, uh, it, when they came to Christ, the authenticity of their conversion drove me back to these stories. 
And uh, so when I go back to stories like this, it's, it's, it's with a great sense of personal interest. And these particular stories about who stands at the cross, who comes close to Jesus in his death, and, 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 and the segue back to uh, the pandemic is that there are so many people that are dying either alone or in the company of strangers because of this infection, and their, their relatives can't come close. And so it has, this, it has this special resonance for us this year uh, as we come uh, to, uh, to, to Easter, just to remember those people who are in that terrible circumstance and all their loved ones. It, 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 it's designed to make us more compassionate, more, more merciful, more prayerful. So, Charles, those who were around Jesus in his crucifixion, yeah. I know you draw yeah. attention to the beloved disciple John and uh, Jesus' mother Mary, the relationship there. Yes, the the thing about crucifixion was that uh, I don't think we have any real understanding of the place of crucifixion in Roman society. And one of the reasons we don't have much of an understanding about it is because very little is written by the the historians of the Roman period, as it were, about crucifixion because it was so abhorrent, because it was so excruciating. It was it was so uh, desperate uh, that it was it was reserved for uh, for slaves who were causing trouble, recalcitrant slaves or runaway slaves. They would be crucified in the most brutal circumstance over the over what we would call what we now call a cesspit. You know, the cesspit was where the bodies of the, of dead slaves and 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 the poor that died on the streets were thrown. That's where they were crucified, and and that place was a place of you know of carrion, birds flying around, just eating the, not just the corpses but those that were also crucified while they were still alive. It was a, a place of absolute horror. And then alternatively, it, it was uh, crucifixion was reserved for those who rebelled against the, the state and they were crucified in a public place where they could be ridiculed and mocked and where the nation and the peoples could be, could be, could be warned, don't, don't you mess with Rome. This is what we do to those people that mess with Rome. So it's a horrifying place. And to even turn up to crucifixion was, in a sense, guilt by association. So here we find Jesus' mother standing there, and of all his disciples and of all his relatives, the only two people are his mother and 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 this friend of his, John, the, the youngest of the of, of the twelve, and and he commits his mother to that boy, and and says, uh, "Mother, behold your son," and he says to that boy, uh, "Behold your mother," and that young man took her into his home. And he he looked after her until her death, and that just struck me about uh, both the, the the you know the compassionate involvement of Christ in the, in his last moments with to care for his mother, but it also struck me about how he realised of all the people that lived, that young man was the person that was going to be the most reliable carer for his for his mother. And uh, what a commendation this is, you know, what a commendation. Mm-hmm. So it's this sort of thing. When I read these stories, you know, I just found that the, 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 what we might call the divine humanity you know, of, of the person of Christ just came through to me. And I thought, oh, this man who's dying upon the cross. No wonder the centurion said this man was the son of God, you know, because these sorts of incidents were just just he was shining through that bruised and battered body. 
Yeah, so that was just one of the uh, one of the amazing yeah. things that uh, I, I kind of picked up on again as I read these stories this year. And through the excruciating pain of the crucifixion, here's Jesus, oh. not concerned for himself, but for his mother. Uh, very, oh. very powerful and uh, just powerful. Uh, so significant. Hey, just very quickly, Charles, another one who was... Uh, close to Jesus at the time of the crucifixion he'd been uh, put into the tomb Mary Magdalene who had been yeah. uh, delivered of all those yeah. demons uh, and uh, and she was there to attend to the body of Jesus what were your thoughts just quickly around Mary Magdalene well she has been delivered from the torment of demonization and uh, Jesus once said he who has been forgiven much loves much and and she just knew where the source of her life and freedom came from, from, and that was that person hanging upon the cross. So she stayed there. She stayed there right the way through to his death. She assisted in, in the, uh, the removal of his body, in the preparation of his body very temporarily for burial, and, and the putting of the body in the tomb. Uh, the great stone was rolled away. She came back before dawn on the Sunday morning uh, to finish the work of preparing the, child, the body for, for entombment. To her surprise, the stones rolled away, and, uh, and there's an angel sitting there sort of saying, <laughs> what are you doing looking for the, the living among the dead? And, and she just doesn't know how to handle this. She rushes back, tells the disciples, and then comes back to the garden, and Jesus meets her. And uh, what, uh, you know, uh, the thing I love about this story is that this woman, on, on two counts, firstly on the account of her terrible life, and secondly on the account of her gender, she just, she's a lesser mortal. But not to Jesus. Not to Jesus. And that's the nature of Christ, that he, he doesn't let the social uh, standards uh, uh, hold him from reaching into the hearts and lives of people that uh, that he alone sees, and uh, that's such an encouragement for everybody. You know that in 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 Christ, there's there's no crime we have committed, however horrifying. Uh, there's no debt we owe to God, however great, that separates us from the love of Christ. He reaches us. And that's why heaven is going to be full of the most um, unusual people. We're going to think to ourselves, you know, <laughs> how did these people get here? Because they saw and understand, understood that what Jesus did on the cross actually reconciles them to God and forgives them. And, and it's still the same today. Powerful thoughts, Charles. And at a time like this, when we know that there are 50 deaths in Australia from COVID-19 and uh, just flick the news on and find out what's happening in the United States, particularly oh. in the state of New York, in the UK, in France, uh, in Italy, uh, what's going on. We are reminded of our own mortality and this Easter, this is why this Easter is such a powerful one for us as individuals and as families to come around these understandings of what the gospel is all about to go through the story of the crucifixion and to celebrate Resurrection Day but to understand more deeply these issues of the cross and the relationships around Jesus, those who were guilty by association turning up there on Crucifixion Day and all of the ways that Jesus himself embraces the people because we can feel ourselves in our own vulnerabilities in his embrace when we recognize his love. Charles Newington, wonderful thoughts once again. I want to thank you so much for sharing those with us. I'll point people to the Family Voice Australia website. 
familyvoice.org.au. Charles Newington is National Director of Family Voice Australia. Charles, uh, thanks for your heartbeat again today on 20... Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.